So here we are this summer, uh, we're in the Psalms, and we're, we're just reacquainting ourselves not only with worship in a service, but a life of worship. And I don't know if, if you're putting the pieces together, but a lot of the things that we deal with, um, like especially today, we are dealing with elements that really set us free to worship God, to see God, to appreciate God, to enjoy God, and uh, today will be no exception. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, I'm going to read a a psalm that will be familiar to a lot of you, Psalm 34, and see if you can kind of, all you detectives out there, see if you can kind of pick up what's going on, okay? Here we go. Uh, And this is a psalm of David. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and God delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The young lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, and a lot of translations say this, the righteous person will have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned." Okay, uh, hopefully you picked up some encouragement, right? There's kind of a, a deep breath of, ooh, a lot of goodness here. But I want you to consider the psalm from another angle, if you will. Um, think about the action steps that David just gave us, all right? Um, David is talking to us, hey, to thrive in spiritual life. Here's what you do. So he's challenging us, and I'll just pull out a couple. Extol or lift up the Lord at Sometimes, all times, okay? Fear the Lord and keep his praise always on your lips. Keep your tongue from evil. Tell no lies. And last but not least, turn from evil and do good. Now, when you think about it from that that, uh, perspective, a lot of us have kind of an Andy Williams response to that. To dream the impossible dream. I mean, seriously, when you think about, especially the words always, at all times, turning away, do, you know, we hear that and we go, man, that's great. 
great language, but the bar's too high. I know me. I know most of you. This is, this is just not going to happen anytime soon if it ever happens. But what if there was some history behind the psalm? What if, what if there was a story behind all of this that actually was something we could identify with, that, that actually made this attractive and doable and possible for us? Hmm, well, that might change things. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll see. Father God, I, I, I really love uh, this psalm because it's so simple. It's just one of those where it's just like David just took the cookies and he put them on the bottom shelf for everyone to have them. But Lord, I, I pray too that we would be encouraged and in, in our hearts today. and We would just see that life with you, it is so doable. It's so possible. And I thank you very much for the, the journey that David went through to get to this beautiful place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, pressure's off. Psalm 34 is not about religious per perfection, okay? But the question still remains, then what exactly is it about? And there's a little hint in almost every one of your Bibles. Um, there's, a, there's a little descriptive subtitle that says something was going on here that caused this whole thing to come into being. And, and the history here is, is uh, right out of the book of 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel, we have a gentleman named Saul, okay? Uh, as in King Saul, he's the king of Israel, and we find him in the book of 1 Samuel extremely jealous of a young man. He's extremely jealous of this, this, this kid named David, and um, uh, for a few reasons, okay? Now, I'll just give you a, a couple of the reasons here. Um, one of them goes right back to a Bible story we all know from Sunday school. And it's when the Philistines, the arch enemy of Israel throughout the whole Old Testament, they're, they're in a skirmish, right? It's, it's brewing up, it's getting hot. And um, the, the Philistine commander has a great idea. They have a champion, all right? The champion's name is Goliath. And I don't know if you ever do the, the biblical math with the cubits, but it just so happens that Goliath stands nine feet tall, all right? And he is just, I mean, he is ripped, right? I mean, just like me. He's just muscles everywhere, right? And, and so they decide, let's do a one-on-one -on -one challenge. And so the call is made to Israel. Bring out your greatest champion to fight our great champion. And whoever wins, well, you know, they're just kind of the champion and the lords of the whole region. And we, we most of us remember what happened. All, the Israel's, uh, all of Israel's soldiers... Seasoned soldiers, guys who, man, they fought, they've made a name for themselves. They all cower in fear, except for this one kid, right? Probably 12 years old. He's so small, he can't even fit into to soldier armor, right? He goes out there w without even conventional weapons of war, slingshot and, and some stones, and he kills Goliath. Well, that stirs a little bit of envy in King Saul. We also see, we know this about David, he, he was a young man of great faith. You know, he just had a passion for God. Even when he's out there doing nothing in the field but tending sheep, he's ministering to the Lord. He's just loving the Lord. He's got no audience. He's just praising and enjoying the goodness of God. And one day the prophet, the prophet, the number one prophet of God comes, Samuel. And he anoints David and he says, you're going to be the next king. When Saul's reign ends, you're going to be the next king of Israel. 
Well, David goes on from there to prove himself in battle. You know, it's not just one-on-one with Goliath. He's a great leader of, of, of armies, and he's just victorious all over the place. And then last but not least, Tom and the band will appreciate this. David is a mighty fine heart player, right? This kid's got it all. And so what happens is that Saul just gets filled with jealousy. And jealousy turns to hatred. And he ends up chasing David all over Israel, trying to kill him, trying to to wipe him out, trying to make sure that day when he becomes king never happens. And so just before David writes Psalm 34, he's actually been on the run from Saul for four years of his life. For four years, it's from cave to cave, town to town, one step ahead of Saul. And even though David should know, he should know, right? God has said you will be king. Nothing can prevent you from being king. What happens to David all that time on the run is he starts running out of steam. You know, four years of this emotional, mental, spiritual steam. And we know that because in 1 Samuel 21, David makes a very reckless and foolish decision. He's kind of burned up all of his hiding places in Israel, so he thinks, I know what I'll do. I will run to, to, to the land, I'll run to Gath and I'll hide there. Well, you know where Gath is? Gath is in the land of the Philistines. They, he is going to try and hide out among the enemy. That, that's, that's how I think burnout he is. Great plan, David. Wonder how this one's going to turn out. Well, let me read you how it turns out. Verses 10 through 15, 1 Samuel 21. David fled from Saul, and he went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Aren't you David, the king of the land, meaning the coming king of Israel? You're the one they sing about in their dances. Saul has slain his thousand, David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart. Translation, "Uh uh-oh, my cover's blown. David was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at this man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I some sort of madman that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And Achish drove David away from Gath. Okay, do y'all feel that? All right. Um, David, very clever mood to escape, but the bottom line is he should never have been there in the first place. And the point is, this is what happens whenever we take our eyes off of God and we give in to fear. Stuff like this happens in all of our lives. So this is what happens for David when he tries to save himself. He tries to fix an impossible situation on his own. And, and for David, literally in trying to save his life by running away, he, it, it almost costs him his life. And so Psalm 34 It is not some impossible, religious, brass ring we could never reach. Instead, Psalm 34 is David's realization, and it's David's 
repentance for how foolish he's been in trying to save his own life. This is David saying, man, did I ever blow it. I'm not ever going to do this again. I should have kept trusting God. But the question is, how did it ever come to this for David? And, and that, that, I think, is the deeper question. That, you know, so how did David get here? Emotional exhaustion, sure, but there had to be more. And there actually is something else that leads David to this crazy place. And it, it's something that David mentions 10 times in Psalm 34. And it's a little bit subtle, but it's there. And what he mentions in some form or fashion all throughout Psalm 34 is his mouth. He brings up his tongue. Verse 1, we, we get it right off the bat. From now on, David is saying, okay, from now on, the praises of God are going to be on my lips. Uh, the promises of God are going to be on my lips. And what David is referring to here is a biblical principle that we see all the way from Genesis. I think all the way up to, to the middle of Revelation, we see it most most profoundly in Luke 6.45, and it's just this. From the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. Okay, it's this whole idea of our tongues being extremely powerful weapons. And I think we all know this. I saw this, this little meme this week on, on uh, Instagram. Um, it was, it, and I was like, wow, this is this, this part of the sermon. From uh, gentle words flow from a loving heart. Truthful words come from an honest heart. Encouraging words come from a heart that's filled with grace. Now, on the flip side, harsh words come from an angry heart. Uh, boasting and bragging comes from an insecure heart. Uh, filthy words come from an impure heart. Critical words come from a bitter heart. Well, for David, he's confessing that before Psalm 34, his words came from a fearful heart. And those words led him into action that was just foolish. Uh, on our best day, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do something like this. His words led him to do some things that almost cost him his life. And so Psalm 34 is just literally about David stepping out of fear back into the love of God. Now, why stepping back into the love of God? Because the perfect love of God, it casts out our fears, doesn't it? Praises have a way of worship. It just has a way of annihilating fear in our lives. And so the contents of this, you know, verses 1 through 7, David is admitting, man, I was a desperate dude. I got afraid. I became poor and afflicted. I took my eyes off of God, and I put them on the storms in life. Have y'all ever done that? You know, something brews. You know, we, we, we hear something. You know, maybe there's uh, too much month and not enough money. It feels like a storm, and we just get so caught up in this that we take our eyes off of God. David is saying, man, did I do that. But as soon as I put my focus back on the Lord... God delivered me, he saved me, he healed me. God removed my shame, he made my face radiant against, he, he, he restored my hope. And so now my commitment is to keep my eyes on God and my lips confessing God, how good he is, what he's done, what he's up to here. So from now on, David is saying, look, 
when something scary happens, I'm just going to lift God's name up over that scary uh, situation, and I'm going to start, and this is, this is huge for me, I'm going to instead boast in the power of God instead of the power of my enemy. Have you all ever done that before? You know, something brews, and, and you know, if you hear yourself, we assign sometimes just a power and a strength to the enemy, and when the thing plays out, we're like, oh gosh, oh wow, not quite that powerful compared to God. Well, David is saying, I'm going to flip the script on that one. Well, then we move now to verses 8 through 14, and, and David gets into what God has set him free to experience and to enjoy. And what God has set David free to enjoy and experience is, is a tasting of God, just tasting of God once again, seeing how, how, how good God is, the blessings of life that, that, that God has for David, and just a call to be faithful and to spend his time, instead of fearing an enemy, fearing God. And then I love what David does next, you know. David's not being selfish. He's not bragging, him, uh, uh, you know, about how great he is and how pathetic we are. David goes on to say, and let me now invite you guys into the fear of the Lord. Come, my children, listen to me. I want you to share in this life. I, I want you to have this relationship with God. I, 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 I want you to, to walk through scary situations in life like this. And so he teaches us about the fear of the Lord. And as we read about that, and we just did, it really begins by listening to the words that come out of our mouth. I mean, it's as if David is just asking us the question, look, when things happen, do the words that you speak, do they line up with the Word of God, with the promises of God, with the love of God, with the future that God has for you? You know, I, I don't know if you've ever committed yourself, and this is a great spiritual exercise, to listen to the things that come out of your, your mouth when life gets a little shaky. Um, Jane and I do that sometimes, and it isn't always pretty. I'm not always proud about the things that, that, that I say. In fact, sometimes it can be really shocking. You know, here you are, oh, I'm going to have a great day in the Lord, hallelujah, have my devotion, and, you know, uh, just singing whatever song we sing on a joyful day, and then something unwelcome comes. And just hearing what it is that you have to say about it. This, this happened to me about a week ago. I, I won't tell you this specific thing, but I, I just in this moment, I heard myself say something, and I'm like, here I am, right? A pastor. Some people would say I'm on top of the spiritual food chain. Not true, right? But, but here I am, an example, a leader. I, I preach every week. You know, I'm a child of God. I've been given a new life, an abundant life, an eternal life. I mean, I, I have all of God's promises over me. And in this moment with this, you know, kind of thing I didn't see coming, I sound like Chicken Little, you know, running, oh my gosh, you know, the sky's going to fall, it's all over. I, I, in that moment, I thought, golly, I sound like there is no God in heaven with what I'm saying about this. And instead, it's all on me, and I better get it right or I'm doomed. So what David is doing here is he's inviting me, and he's inviting all of us to change our tune to push aside toxic talk and instead be a righteous person. And what's so beautiful about Scripture is religion will tell you this, well, a righteous person, you know, a righteous person has all of the Bible memorized. 
A righteous person never breaks the rules. A righteous person has perfect church attendance. Righteous people never sin. That's not what Scripture says. You know, instead, what we get, and especially from Psalm 34, is a righteous person is someone who takes God very seriously when it comes to this, our tongues. There's such a connection between what we say and what we live. You know, I, I love uh, James chapter 3. I know that one of the, the great historical theologians called James the epistle of straw. And he called it the epistle of straw because I, I think he found it a little too challenging, so he wanted to toss it out. But nevertheless, James 3 tells us that our tongues have tremendous power. He was just, just this little thing, right? I mean, how much does a tongue weigh? You know, how big is a tongue? You know, we hide it most of the day behind our teeth. But James says, no, 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 this tongue has, has a tremendous power. It has the ability to corrupt our whole bodies and set the whole course of our lives on fire. And didn't we just see that in Psalm 34? Oh, well, 1 Samuel about Psalm 34. David's tongue just, man, dude, you almost burnt yourself up in the land of the Philistines being led by your tongue. The tongue can be, it doesn't have to be for us, but it can be a restless evil. It can be full of deadly poison. And so often the real danger for you and I as Christians, uh, James goes on to point that out, is the, the danger with our tongues especially is they can become very hypocritical. James says, with our tongues, we can, on a Sunday morning like this, we can praise God, right? Holy forever. You know, we can, oh man, we can open it up toward the Lord and praise Him. And we can walk out of here and curse our brother or a sister, or someone else made in, in, in the likeness of God. Or, you know, we, we can see a news story and just, you know, do what I did, go into chicken little mode. I mean, we can do that. And James says that should not be. And by the way, when Scripture says that, it, it, it's, it's an invitation. It should not be. It doesn't have to be like that. We can live a different way. Know that fresh water and salt water cannot flow from the same spring. And so one thing I've been praying is, Father God, work on this. And because this is connected to this, just take them as a package, Lord. Cleanse this heart. Work on this confession. God, help me to be consistent. I, I don't want to be a guy who believes on Sunday, you know, or believes when a blessing comes. I want to believe in the storm. I want to believe when everybody's freaking out. That's our birthright. That's our heritage. That's the life God calls us into. So I want to wrap this up with one more quote from David, okay? Psalm 19, 14. And I, I, I'm just going to speak it over us and then I'll pray. But I want to invite you, make this into your own prayer this week, okay? Let's, let's work these psalms, right? So here we go. Psalm 19, 14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, see the connection? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, all week long as I have studied, I just, I know I've been uh, studying about David. I just preached about David, but I am drawn to Isaiah over and over again in Isaiah 6. Um, a man who saw you. He didn't even expect to see you, but he beheld you in a vision one day. And his first response was, Oh God, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. 
And Lord, that, that wasn't a moment that was followed by lightning bolts and annihilation. Following that confession, one of the angels went over to the altar of God and took a coal and touched his lips and said, see, look, it's taken away. Your sin is gone. It's atoned for. And Father, we love that about you, that when we sing about your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy and your salvation, we are not singing about yesterday. We are singing about today. We are singing about tomorrow. We're, God, we're, we're, we're worshiping the God who does it every single day for his children as we turn. And God, we wanna be a different witness to our world. We, we don't wanna power up with the same emotion. We, we, we don't wanna run around with the same franticness. Father, we, as Tom said a minute ago, so beautiful, we wanna be still and we wanna know and we wanna speak the word of God to every situation who you were, who you are, who you've always been. And we just say, here we are, Lord. I today am 55 years old, not my birthday. I'm 55, Lord. And I thank you that, that I have a call to grow as much now as I did when I was eight years old. Every single one of us, we are here to grow. We are here to become. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.